Hi Chloe, how are you? Hi Seamus, I'm great now, and yourself? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Uh, first of all, thanks Mina, for coming on the podcast, uh, it's great to have you on. No, not at all, my pleasure. So I um, just want to ask you first, how are the preparations for Six Nations going now? How much are you able to do as a squad? Um, they're actually going quite well, to be honest. Um, like we have lots of restrictions in place, but we're kind of able to train away as normal. So like we're, we're in pods and things like that when it comes to dressing room and we're being tested regularly. Um, and then there's like certain things like mealtime, you can't be hanging around, you know, too long together. So it is kind of segregated and it's a very different environment, I suppose, than what we would previously be used to. Um, like rooming on your own in the hotel, like can't travel with people outside your household. But it actually, in fairness, since we get to train and we get to gym and we get to kind of prepare for the Six Nations, I don't think anyone minds. Um, we're very lucky, you know, that we can do it and that we can continue to train, especially when the whole country is in lockdown. So, like, we are very privileged to be able to do it. But they're going well. Like, we've a week off this week and then we're back in for the two weeks before the Wales game. So hopefully two big weeks of training coming up then and we'll see what happens come Wales then first match. You know, obviously with um, England and France kind of being that step ahead really in terms of professionalism and, you know, they do have more funding. Do you think that will make a difference now? Are they able to do a bit more work maybe during these times than yourselves? Um, I wouldn't say they are. Like, obviously they might get more time together, but to be honest, like our SNC, like our coaches, like we get a lot of analysis to do at home. Like our SNC, Orla Curran, like she sends us on reams and stuff. Like we have like we have access to gyms even still with COVID, you know, obviously they get more on pitch time together, but like since August, I think Adam referenced it during the week, like we've had 58 pitch sessions since August, like, you know, which is a lot of time on the pitch together, you know, and then that's not even including gym and then other kind of sessions and video analysis. So like they are professional, like we get that, but at the same time, like we don't think that we can't hold ourselves to the standards they hold themselves to like, we work and everything, but we're still as dedicated with the rest of our time. And that's something that hopefully, you know, everyone else will get to see come April if, you know, when we play France, I think, in the second game. And hopefully then there'll be an opportunity to come up against England in a final scenario, you know, if we were to win our first two games and if they were to win their first two games. Um, what's the mood like now in camp, you know, having the World Cup just being postponed? You know, was that something you were really, really building towards or has that had much of an effect? Yeah, like we were, like the focus was on that Spain game, you know, like we were looking at World Cup qualifiers, but, you know, like obviously people were disappointed, like it, it is a big thing having a World Cup pushed out a year, but, you know, the focus now just has to rechange, like we still had to qualify for the World Cup regardless, um, so we still had to go to those qualifiers, so now it just gives us more time to prepare for that. I know other teams have more time, but look, we'll now have those games in Six Nations you know, before we play Spain or before we play Italy or Scotland or something like that. So, you know, the mood was a bit low, like the first day, but, you know, everyone just came in. We just got on with it, training, had to go ahead anyway. And now the focus just shifts a little bit. But obviously, you know, there would be a bit of disappointment, but the group just adapts, you know, that's what we've been doing for the last year. And I think as, you know, I kind of said, we're still very lucky to get to do what we get to do. You know, we still get to go and train we get to play rugby like there's not many people in the country who get to do what they love every weekend you know so you, you have to kind of appreciate it as well that it is disappointing it has been moved but we are very fortunate in what we get to do every time we get to go to Dublin get to go to the gym. Yeah, but is there any bit of a feeling like say had that been 
a men's World Cup maybe would it have would they have found a way to do it? Like, you know, I just feel like maybe there was a little bit of like a bit of haste in that that they could have seen how things develop, especially in New Zealand being in such a good position, like in terms of COVID. Yeah, they are in a good position, but the other side of it is is would they have been in the better position, you know? And this I think this would have been something that the men's World Cup would have faced as well. You know, like maybe like if they don't have to do the two week isolation, they're getting they would have gotten a two week training block ahead of every other team in the World Cup. Whether I don't think gender comes into that, that's that's a, something that would have happened regardless. Like men's or women's team, they probably would have had a bit of an edge. Um, and then you just take into account time off. Like obviously, then outside of the men's games, like we are amateurs, you know, it would have been an extra two weeks nearly. We'd have had to take off work, you know. To, to get that time over. Um, like, it's disappointing. Every, everyone knows it's disappointing because you build this up, you know, it's 2021, that's a World Cup here. But, like, from a health and safety perspective then, like, if you are to take two weeks of not doing group training, you know, you have to do that isolation to protect New Zealand's environment and the work they've probably done so far with COVID. Um, it, it does make sense to postpone it. Like, I think the decision might have been the same for the men's. The Olympics was postponed, you know, last year. So it's not like this was just women's. Like, this is a worldwide pandemic and we're all facing it. So I do think it's something that would have happened if it was a men's World Cup as well. And then just kind of going back towards maybe the start of your playing days, how did you first get into rugby? So I would have played a lot of soccer growing up. My dad would have been big into soccer and just went down, like, playing for years and then... One of I would have watched rugby a good bit, like my grand would be a big follower of it, and Tom Park isn't too far from my own home house. But just I went to school with a girl. Her mom and dad started an underage team in St. Mary's, and like she would have known me a little bit as the tomboy, like playing soccer in school. So she was saying, Oh, sure, look, you will come down and play. And they rang me and I said, You know something, go on, I'll go down. And I went down that day and I just I went training. I think it was like a Wednesday night, and then by Saturday I played a match out in Shannon RFC with St. Mary's and it was just something I loved. Um, the soccer kind of took a backseat then and rugby just every year, like year on year, it just took over. And I finished up with St. Mary's then um, when I was 18, they didn't have a senior team at the time. And I moved on um, just to play senior rugby with Shannon. Um, and then from there, just as things kind of progressed and I kind of set myself international goals, provincial goals, I just saw the move then to go to UL Bowls just to play in the IL, the right one at the time. But um, there was kind of a clear pathway for me. I just kind of built myself way up just because, you know, you have to play in the highest league if you want to play international rugby, if you want to play provincial rugby. So it seemed like the right thing to do to go to those and I never looked back then since then. And did you have any like big inspiration growing up who would have been the player you really modelled yourself off? Um, <laughs> I probably, because I had grown up playing soccer, I actually started out playing 10 with St Mary's. Um, so I was always a big lover of Ronan O'Gara at the time, like just absolutely adored him, like the 2006-2008 World Cup or Heineken Cups, you know. Um, then kind of growing up, like once I went to college, I kind of realised kind of what women's players were there. And obviously then we had the Grand Slam and the Women's World Cup. And then just like the girls that are there, like Joy Neville, like obviously she's trailblazing the referee now, but she was always a great player, you know, to watch. Um, from a back right back row perspective, and then just people like Alison Miller, Lynn Cantwell, Maria Kelly, Neil Briggs, they're just phenomenal kind of experts in individually, like in those positions, they're just they were phenomenal and kind of work rate alone would have been something that I would have kind of identified with and liked to kind of emulate then in my own game. You know, how much have you seen 
and development really like how much has women's rugby grown in the time even just since you've started like you know I think it's really made a step up in terms of viewership and like it's really more of a global game now than it ever was yeah and that's the same like if you were to ask girls now like well who are their players who do they idolize like they'll give you women's players like when I started like and it's I'd say shame on me it wouldn't have never been a women's player it would have been the Ronan O'Gars it would have been the Paul O'Connells um and that was just from lack of scene you know like we have the can't see can't be and that was just would have been the case when I grew up like you didn't see these people on telly and it's only since probably like that 2013 Grand Slam I think that was the big change in the women's game and then beating the Black Ferns in 2014 you know now people want you know young girls want to see their favorite players on the TV. Like you can go now and you can buy a women's jersey. It doesn't have to be a men's jersey. And it just makes that dream more real for them. Like they can see that this is online. There's probably clearer pathways in place now, you know, in terms of interprovincial um, kind of tournaments. Like when I played under 18s, Munster, Ulster never had an 18s team. We played Connacht and we played Leinster and that was it. It wasn't even a tournament. It was, you trained for eight weeks for two games but now, like, it's a full pathway for them. They can do that. They can be, like, Adam Griggs and the other coaches are watching the 18s games before they watch the women's games. So that pathway is there for them. And it's a very real dream, like, if you're coming through that underage system now to, to be an international player, which is what I think we've seen with, you know, Baven Parsons, Enya Breen, Doherty Wall. They've all come through that system. So it's great to see that it is kind of, you know, it's working. Uh, like how far do you think this can go do, do you think becoming professional is a realistic goal for Irish rugby in the next few years or do you think that's going to have to be maybe a little bit further down the road maybe it'll be a bit further down the road um like I, I really don't know I'd love to see it go professional or maybe like maybe professional might be that step too far at the moment um like obviously it'll probably be a progression of semi-professional first in something like the French do or like the English league do as opposed to contracting players like a lot of people, you know, a lot of the girls, like, they're, we are quite independent. Not that the men aren't, but, like, we hold our own careers, and I don't think too many of us are going to want to let that go either. Um, to be semi-professional would be great in a sense of getting more training in. Obviously, more time on the pitch, like, is only going to generate a better team performance, I do think. But do I see it in my generation? Maybe not a professionalism standpoint, but definitely semi-professional. That definitely could be something that can be worked towards um, and it would be great, you know, at least then young girls can aspire like to be rugby players for their careers, you know, like men do. But even with the men now, you see them, they're still doing masters in the background. You know, they're still planning for life after rugby, which is important because, you know, that your time isn't your own and you're only going to have it until a certain age. So I think it's very important for young girls and boys to aspire for their own careers outside of rugby as well. So that you can have, you know, you stand on your own two feet when the time comes that your career ends. Looking forward now, just for yourself, like what's the goals now in the next few years? Obviously, World Cup now, 2022. Is that something you'll be looking to get involved in? Yeah, of course. Like, look, I'm kind of only back in the squad since after COVID. I wasn't in the original Six Nations squad in the 2020 um, campaign. Um, so I was only brought in kind of after COVID. And obviously, I wasn't selected then for the Italy game before Christmas. You know, I'm just going to keep trying my best. I've kind of made the transition to the front row. I played a couple of years in the back row and I'd have my two caps there. But since moving to the front row, I think it's a transition that's going to suit me. Um, it's something I'm working really hard at. The problem I'm having is just trying to get game time, really. Um, you know, if we had club games week in, week out, you learn. You learn by playing, you know. 
Um, the girls are great in camp. The coaches are great. But for me, like that's this is a ladder I'm climbing. It's something my goals are set. Like maybe the the push out to 2022 is something that might benefit me in terms of experience, in terms of getting that game time in the front row at an international level. So that hopefully when that squad comes around in 2022 and fingers crossed we've qualified that, you know, my name will be on the on the team sheet and I'll be going to New Zealand. Um, that's the plan. Um, I'll do everything in my power to get there, but we'll have to see what happens. You know, it's, um, it's hard to tell at this point to make any kind of plans with COVID. You know, you mentioned your uh, move into the front row there. Like, I don't think as many players can say they've gone from 10 right back at the start all the way up into the front row. How difficult have those transitions been, like, you know, the different skill sets? Um, the transition to the forwards was probably an easier one. Like, I would have always been a bigger back anyway. Um, like, I'm probably fitter now than I ever was when I played 10, but it was just the fact I, I probably would have been a good kicker of the ball just from playing soccer for years. Like, um, technically, I would be all right kicking it. Um, but even back then, like, there was no set plays. Like, it was kind of, you know, underage was one-off runners and being a bigger person than playing 10 I was just running over people. Like, but then like I moved, I tried to play 10 um, when I went to the college team and, and it's a different ball game. You know, it's, you have to be a distributor. You have to see space. You'd be a running 10 and it wasn't something that suited me. So then it was Gillian Burke, um, Ireland international hooker who actually coached the college team. And it was her who kind of said, Chloe, you're playing six here today. Like you're not playing 10, you know, and then from there, it was kind of like, actually, now that I thought of it and I could see the players around me saying, there's no way I'm a back. Um, and then just the move to the front row was just kind of chats I had had, like with Fiona Hayes and Ben Martin in Bose. Fee was kind of looking to end her career. And they just kind of said, like, there's an opportunity there to play one for Bose, to play one for Munster. And if it's something that you can get good at, maybe there'll be an opportunity with Ireland as well to prop. And, you know, from playing in the back row, I'm probably not a traditional prop, but um, maybe it's something that that's you know differentiates me from the other girls. You know, is that I have that other kind of experience in the background. Look, the, the scrummaging is something that's a work on, and it's something I'm working hard on. But it's just it's happened, and I've just kind of taken to it and just got on with it. You know. And uh, what advice would you give then to any young girls now trying to get into rugby? Like, because you know it's probably a bit easier for them maybe than it was for you. Like, you know, as you said, there is more opportunities, but it is no doubt still, you know, not the most popular games. Like, how would you, how would you tell them like to make that breakthrough? I would just, I honestly would just say, give it a go. Like, as I said, I went down on a Wednesday and I played a match on a Saturday. Like, it's just something, and I've played soccer for years and I've had great soccer teams for years. And I have great friendships out of them, but rugby, it's just something you can't emulate. It's it's kind of, it's the camaraderie that comes with going onto a pitch with 14 other people and like putting your body on the line for the person beside you, putting your head where some people wouldn't put their boots, you know, all for the cause and all for the crest on the jersey. And like the sense of fulfillment you'll get from it, like whether you're a back, whether you're a forward, whether you're playing 15, you're playing prop, you know, like each role is as important as the next, you know, every, there's a place for everyone. I would just say, honestly, go down, whether it's with a club team, a college team, whether you're playing tag or touch, it's, it's a game that's like no other. Um, and that's, it's just, you have to give it a go. It's the best thing I ever did. And I mean, from 18s going to Carrick and Shore with St. Mary's to traveling to cook with UL Bows, like they're just the best memories that I'll ever have. 
Um, and it's something that I've loved and I love and I can't wait until everything is back up and running because like we're so lucky we get to go and train and do what we do on the weekends and I hope that things get back to normal and that young girls can get out and get playing and that my own club team can get out and get playing and just to get back up and running because I'm sure a lot of people miss it um, because I know if I didn't have it um, the last six months or so like that I would just go mad I think sitting at home. Yeah um, I think that's about all we have time for today Chloe but uh, thanks for coming on the podcast it's been absolutely brilliant to have you on. No, brilliant. Thank you so much, Seamus, and best of luck with it.